0: Welcome to Parkview On The Go. I'm Nathan, the online pastor around here, and I'm glad you chose to spend time with us today. We're in the second week of a great teaching series called Famous Last Words, that's helping us prepare our hearts and minds for Easter. Yes, I said Easter. And I'll be honest, after the year we've had, I cannot wait to celebrate. Assuming you feel the same way, let me just give you one important detail about Easter at Parkview that you need to know. We're excited that we'll be gathering not only online, but also in person at every one of our physical locations. And if you are planning to attend in person, listen to this, because I don't want you to be surprised. You'll need to reserve a ticket. And so for service times and information about ticket reservations, go to Easter at Parkview.com. The whole reason we're here is to help you take a step toward God. Whether you've been in church all your life or you're checking it out for the first time, you belong here and we want to help you discover what that next step might be for you. Today, Pastor Tim will share a message from the Bible that we can all apply to our lives and then I'll be back at the end to close us out. Enjoy the service.
1: St. Patty's Day, Park View. Good to see you all. Homer Glenn, New Lenox, Orland Park Online. Uh, according to DNA, I am 12% Irish, so I can, I can wear this. Don't give me a hard time. Um, I don't know if you call it the luck of the Irish that we're feeling good this year, or if it was the luck of the Irish in reverse. Last year, when we were shutting everything down, I mean, I really don't know how to look at it. Okay, but I'm gonna go. am gonna go with the with the, this part. If you didn't, if you're just watching this and you just skipped up to the sermon, you got to go back and watch the intro video. It, it was me one year ago last night. Um, it would have been Thursday night a year ago. I was um, I was supposed to be preaching for Brian Hunt, who is one of our campus pastors who went out to California and was preaching at a church out there and he was doing What Made Jesus Mad series. And he asked me to come out and preach and he had a Thursday night service. And I was already in LA seeing my grandkids because I knew I had to be up in Northern California. And on Wednesday and Thursday, we're just calling back and forth. And and, you know, California got shut down kind of faster than everybody else. And so I'm like, are you gonna have a service? And he's like, I don't know. And, And I ended up driving up there doing the Thursday night service And I'm pretty sure it was the last live sermon that got preached in California, at least in Northern California, for a very, very long time. And when I was making that video, I was actually at his church. I didn't realize that when I watched it earlier. I wasn't here. I was there. And inside, I had all the same feelings that you did, you guys. I mean, I had faith that things were going to be good, and I had faith that we were going to come back from all this, and I know it's not over, it's not like there's some great announcement that, you know, the, the coronavirus is gone, I get that, we still got a ways to go, but it was, you know, by the time we canceled Easter, I gotta admit, I was freaking out a little bit. And, you know, by the time canceled Mother's Day and Father's Day and the 4th of July and Labor Day, I mean, come on. And, and And to think that we would be this far a year later, none of us ever imagined it. And I know that it's been a really hard year. And I know that it's been an exceptionally hard year for some of you. And I also know some of you, I mean, I know some businesses who've thrive during this. Um, so there's both sides of this, and, and I get all of it. What I want to tell you, if you're, if you're just visiting here, if you're watching online, and you're not sure, you know, about this part view thing, this is the best church in the universe, okay? I'm just going to tell you that, all right? Me, I'm telling you, because I did a poll of all the people that are important to me, and they agree with me. Um, JD Power and all those people—they agree with me. This is the because if you would have told me that we would have gone through everything that we've gone through, and and still would only have in live attendance maybe a third of what we would have had a year ago in live attendance, but our online audience would have blown up, and we would have finished the year in the black. I w- I, I don't know that I had that much faith, you guys. I really don't. And I want to thank you for not making me lay off a bunch of people, and I want to thank you for not making us shut down the ministries and the missions that we do all over the country, and I want to thank you for not making us close campuses because I've had friends that have had to do that. That's why I think you're the best church in the world, and I just want to say thank you to you, okay? That's all I want to do, and I want to pray over you right now. God, I, want to, I just want to, I want to say it again. It was a rough year, Yeah, it's a rough year, and we still got a long way to climb out. And thank you for the sunshine and some decent weather to help us uh, feel better again. But I know there are a lot of people that are struggling, a lot of people that are, they lost their businesses, they lost their jobs in the middle of all this, and and many more are uncertain. And all of us have come through a a -a once-in-a-century ordeal. And I pray that you will be with us and guide us and help us to be able to look back at where we were and look at where we are now and understand that even when I don't see it, you're working. And I thank you for that. And I thank you for this place in Jesus name. Amen. Okay. So, um, have you ever been in a situation where you th- like thought you were going to die? Like, like this is it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, a lot of guys are raising their hands right now, right? I'm probably going to die because I've done something, right? Okay. Uh, My earliest memories, uh, I know you probably can't see it, but I have a scar that goes from here to here on my arm. I got that when I was three years old. So imagine how much of my arm that was. I was in a little metal wash tub in the backyard in Oklahoma City, and it had a sharp edge on it, and I sliced my, 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 my arm open. And I don't, remember, I don't remember being scared. I don't remember the blood. I remember my mom freaking out. Okay. That's, that's what I remember. And I've been in tornadoes when I was young. I mean, early memories of like, I might die was tornadoes in Oklahoma. That's, you know, that's where I was. And again, I don't remember not thinking I was going to die. I remember thinking cool tornadoes, right? Except I remember my mom freaking out. And, 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 and then when I was 16, I had a little VW, a little Volkswagen, you know, the old little beetle that weighed like 10 pounds. And we had ice one day, and I didn't know what I was doing driving, and I was on my way to driving myself to Enid High School, and I had to come down this steep road, and it went out onto a very busy road, and as I started going down the steep road, I just started doing that, you know? Just, there's, and there's nothing you can do, and especially when you're 16, you, you know, I just remember going, I think I'm going to die if there's a truck coming while I'm on, you know, when I end up on this road, I'm going to die. And I've had other experiences, you know, I mean, I, I crashed my midlife crisis Harley, but I didn't have time to think before. What I'm asking you is, have you had the opportunity to come face-to-face with your mortality? And imagine you're Jesus who, who's had his whole life to think about his death because he knew what was going to happen. Actually, theologically speaking, he had eternity to think about it because Jesus knew what was going to happen when he made man in the first place. But he gets to Holy Week, and Jesus knows it's on, okay? And I want to press the pause button because I want to make sure that everybody gets this. Some of you, sometimes I take for granted that you get the story. The Bible says this clearly, that God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, so that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's John three sixteen. You see the football players put it on, right? So God gives us his son, Jesus, who was born of a virgin, Mary, and Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life, and he completely fulfilled the will of God for his life, and he never did anything wrong, and he always loved everybody with this unconditional kind of love, even the ones that society rejected, and, and he came with this revolutionary against-the-grain message and he talked to the religious people and he said you guys don't get it you're hypocrites you've got a plank in your own eye and you're looking at people's stuff in their eye and his teaching changed lives and he healed people like he would touch people and they'd be able to see or they'd be able to hear it was amazing he had the ability to bring people back from the dead and everybody loved him except for the religious people right And he loved everyone and and everybody he came into contact with, he gave them this way of doing God's life, but doing it in a new and different way that they'd never understood before. And even though he'd done everything right, Jesus knew he was going to die for it. And that would explain why on Monday morning of Holy Week, he did the temple tantrum thing. He walked into the temple and threw the money changers out of the way because they were denying access to God. And it got really real on Thursday night when he was arrested and betrayed and the abuse started, okay? And on Friday before Jesus was nailed, he, he was flogged, okay? Usually done with a whip that had nine pieces of leather coming off of it that had bones and nails and nasty things on the ends of each one of the nine strips of leather, and 39 times he was beaten with this. And the effect was to tear up the back and the legs and really the whole body of a person. And, and Jesus would have probably died from that alone eventually. And in the Old Testament, Isaiah prophesied that you wouldn't even be able to recognize the Messiah when he died. And following the scourging, we are told that the soldiers mocked and beat Jesus, and they dressed him up as a king with a crown of thorns and a robe, and then they ripped it back off of him after it had dried into the the blood on his back, and they beat him some more, and they spit on him, and they hurled insults at him, and they said, Hail, King of the Jews! And the soldiers made him carry his cross all the way from where his trial, was to Golgotha, which was a way to humiliate him. Jesus was being showcased to the people as a vile criminal. It would have been the equivalent today of of a live cast of an execution, a lethal execution, you know, or, or an electric chair. I mean, we would never do that, but that's basically what they were doing. And when they arrived at Golgotha, they drove spikes through his wrists and through his feet, and lifted him up off the earth and plunked him back down into that hole, and he was suspended between heaven and earth. So his life wasn't flashing before his eyes. It was leaking away in slow motion, which brings us to the cross. Because what is remarkable when we talk, Pastor Todd started us on this last week, when we talk about what Jesus says from the cross, what's remarkable is that even as great as it was the way he lived, it was even more remarkable the way that he died. Because just like in his life, Jesus did the right thing in his death. And he was in complete control the whole time. He never retaliated. He never spoke a word of evil against those who were torturing him. And understand, okay, we know this because he was executed again publicly. People are standing around waiting for him to die. So every gasp, every painful moment, every twitch, every piece of the struggle was watched by the people around him. Surely somebody heard him say something bad, right? Listen. I'm not proud of this, but when I'm in pain, I often say things that preachers shouldn't say. And when I'm humiliated and abused, I'm not usually very gracious. I'm just gonna be, I'm just gonna be honest with you. My natural reaction is not usually good. I have a litany of words and phrases that I learned one summer when I did road construction in Northeast Oklahoma, and they're always at the ready in case I need them. And you won't likely hear them, but I'm just telling you that they are there. People were amazed the other week when my tech team tried to kill me with the video monitor, and I tripped over it, and there I go, yeah, and they were amazed that I didn't say anything bad at all. But people, I'm used to living in the public eye. I know somebody's always watching me. That doesn't mean people didn't get fired over that. I'm kidding, it was totally my fault. But sometimes I even accidentally say things publicly that don't come out the way that I hoped that they would. But never has one been as good as this guy's. Um,
0: Before we begin, let's pray.
1: Let's pray. Heavenly Heavenly Father, our hearts are made ready to hear the truth. Never have I I had one that good, come on. But while Jesus was up there, he doesn't slip. He doesn't He doesn't say the wrong thing. He doesn't get angry. He doesn't bomb somebody with something. His lips start to move. And what does Jesus say? And I'd like for you to read it aloud with me. This is the first thing recorded that Jesus said. Read it with me. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Well, that won't make for a very good movie, will it? I mean, can you imagine one of the Avengers or Luke Skywalker or any role played by Liam Neeson getting to the end, you know, and they're slowly being killed by the bad guy, but instead of bouncing back and winning and killing the bad guys, they don't use their superpowers, they don't use the force or their CIA training, and they just die after asking God to forgive the bad people. Is anybody going to go see that movie? No. No. Father, forgive Darth Vader. I mean, he might be my father. Father, I'm confused. Boring. Not only boring, it just feels wrong, doesn't it? So why did he say this? Father, forgive them. Why did he say this? Well, obviously, I mean, if you know anything about the teachings of Jesus, he was putting into practice the principle that he had taught from the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to talk about the Sermon on the Mount this summer. Here's what he said. You have heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And he also taught us, don't forget, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors in the Lord's prayer, right? So he he was practicing what he preached. And I love that. And the truth of the matter is, they really did not know what they were doing. Okay, we can, be, we can be upset now, 2,000 years later, at what was going on, but the people who put Jesus on the cross were ignorant. They were ignorant about what they were doing. The soldiers were just doing their job. They were following orders. They treated everybody the same. They didn't know he was the Son of God. The mob didn't know whom they were trying to destroy. The Jewish leaders were actually trying to protect their precious views on religion, okay? So they didn't know what they were doing, but Jesus prayed for them even though they were his enemies. Even though what human nature would suggest would be the exact opposite. He did the right thing. He practiced what he preached, which was, is opposed to what happens sometimes in my business when people who represent God do bad things and cause people to turn away from their faith. Instead, he did the right thing. And his life and his example and even his prayers from the cross, Father, forgive them, gave some kind of indication of who he really was. And afterwards, after people watched Jesus die and hearing his words of forgiveness, some of them believed in him. The Roman centurion at the foot of the cross said, surely this man was the son of God. After he heard what Jesus said from the cross, one of the two thieves that was being crucified with Jesus, he exercised faith in Jesus and Jesus promised him paradise. We're going to talk about that on Palm Sunday. A member of the Sanhedrin publicly aligned himself with Jesus. And a little over a month later, Peter gets up in front of a bunch of people and says, listen, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And what happened? Well, they'd seen his life, and they watched him die, and they heard him ask for forgiveness for his enemies. And 3,000 people said, oh, man, we didn't put it all together. And they got baptized, and the church began. I mean, if Jesus is up on the cross going Samuel Jackson on everybody, it's probably not going to turn people towards God, right? So he's doing the right thing from the cross. But if I can really be honest, I get that. My problem is that I really don't want Jesus to forgive them. Do you? But then let me ask you something. Are you the good guy in the story or the bad guy in the story? It's okay. I'm not going to lay a guilt trip on you. I'm not your mom. Okay. We'll come back to this in a a couple of weeks on Palm Sunday when we talk about the thief. I, I just need you to know this is really important because here's how it goes for me. When I'm watching Liam Neeson movie and they've taken his daughter or more recently, he's a nice bank robber who's trying to go straight, right? You saw that one, but they're messing with his girlfriend. You and I are always going to identify with Liam because he's the good guy. I don't know very many people who watch those movies and think, oh, that poor human trafficker, Liam, be nice to them. Oh, that greedy, murderous, bad FBI agent, I hope the car bomb doesn't go off. No, you're hoping it does. I understand that. But why do we always identify with the good guy? I hate to bust up your everybody gets a participation award mindset today. But we might not be the good guy. And that might alter the way we look at the words of the cross. Some of you grew up singing a song long about Holy Week or maybe a few weeks before that. It was an old plantation spiritual written by slaves. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Some of you remember that right? Just a haunting little song. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Oh Sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? The answer is yes. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The prophet Isaiah said, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. The answer to why Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them, is multifaceted. Like Pastor Todd said last week, Jesus was fulfilling Old Testament prophecy, for one. The prophet Isaiah, again, in that same chapter said, He bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. He, He became forgiveness for us. But that should point something out to us. We are the transgressors, okay? I am the transgressor. From the cross, Jesus interceded for sinners. He became, as the author of of Timothy, uh, Timothy said, one mediator between God and mankind. One mediator between God and mankind. That's who we are. That's who we are. We're the ones on the outside, and God is up here, and Jesus had to come and intercede for us. In that statement, Father, forgive them, Jesus revealed man's greatest need. And I hope you'll stick with this over the next few weeks because we're going to unpack this. We're going we're to talk, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me next week? And then today you will be with me in paradise and Easter is going to be, it is finished and we're starting a series with that week when we get hell out. What finally happens when we get hell out? And we're going to talk about what happens after this life when we get hell out of here. I hope you'll stick with us because we've got a lot of good stuff and a lot of important things for you to do. But let me go back to this. Are you the good guy or the bad guy in the story? Oftentimes, Jesus prayed for forgiveness for sins as a first priority for somebody brought to him. If you remember the sermon I preached the very first week of this year, I did it online because we weren't meeting. I talked about the man who was lowered down on, a, on, a, on, a, on his mat because he was paralyzed through the roof by some great friends. And the first thing that Jesus said to him was, you remember, friend, your, your sins are forgiven. I mean, his friends didn't lower him down in so that his sins could be forgiven. His friends lowered him down in so that maybe Jesus could heal him. And then Jesus went on and he said, but just so that everybody knows I have the power to forgive sins, I will heal you, take up your mat and walk. That is why he came. He came so that we could have life and life to the full. And honestly, this has way more to do, a full life has way more to do with taking away our sinful nature than it does giving us physical health. Because someday this body is going to be gone, whether we can walk or not. This is why when we got to the Last Supper, And Jesus is there, and he's sitting around with his closest friends. He held up a glass of wine. Thank goodness he didn't have these zip and sip things that we have now. He had real wine, and he said, hey, here it is. This is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Listen to me. Forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing should tell you that... Ignorance does not equal innocence, okay? I, 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 I hope you understand that. Here's my encouragement for you today doesn't matter whether you understand it today, whether you understand that our sins put Jesus on the cross or not. We'll talk more about that. doesn't matter if you think you're the good guy or the bad guy in the story. If you want to keep believing that God grades on the curve and you're a pretty good person and you'll probably be okay in the end, that's all fine. That's cool. For today, let's just start here. Just admit that we have an amazing example to follow in how we deal with the bad people in the world the people who hurt us, because we all have them, abusers and enemies and people who have wronged us. And some of you have them in your own families. So what are you going to do? Here's my suggestion. You're going to pray for them. Okay. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Why? Because Jesus said, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now listen, I know that's not our normal reaction. I love the story of the guy who got bitten by a rabid dog, and he messed around and, and, and didn't do anything with it, you know. And finally, it got worse and worse, and he finally went to the doctor, and the doctor said, Yeah, man, you got rabies, and if you would have come earlier, I could have saved you, but it's, it's way too late. You're not going to make it. And the guy freaked out, and he got, a, he, he, he got a piece of paper, and he started writing down names, and the doctor said, Are these all the people that you want to contact before you die? And he said, No, these are the people I'm going to bite. That's our natural reaction, right? That's what sells movie tickets. That's what we want to have happen. Think about the context in which Jesus was raised. Jesus was raised as a Jew, and the Jews were taught in the Old Testament system that it was an eye for an eye. I mean, it's a pretty fair system. If somebody knocks out your eye, you knock their eye out. That was an Old Testament principle. If someone knocked out your tooth, well, well, they didn't have dentists, so they probably didn't have very many teeth, but you get my drift. It was called lex talionis. That's the, that's the Latin for it. That's not a spell from Harry Potter. That's the law of retaliation. And that's not what Jesus did. He went beyond the law to grace. So what are we called to do? We're called to a higher standard. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. He prayed for them. Okay. But listen, I need to help you with this because some of you are really struggling with forgiveness right now. And maybe you have for a long time. I was talking with a friend this week about this topic and they had a tough family situation and knew I was talking about the issue and they really were honest with me. And they said, you know, I really forgive this person. I know I have, but I wrestle with guilt because I feel like forgiveness should be open arms and and wiping the slate clean. And yet I don't know how to unexperience, they said. I don't know how to unexperience all of what they did to me. I don't know how to build a new bond that is not there but should have been there in the first place. And if that sounds familiar to you, I want to point you back to a sermon and I'm going to post this this week on social media that I did a few weeks ago when we were going through the RAM thing, remember? And I talked about trust and I talked about how forgiveness and trust are not necessarily the same thing. And I was thinking about that as I was talking to this friend, and I was thinking about the fact that in relation to Jesus, you know Jesus rose from the dead, right? I didn't finish the story for those of you who don't get it. Three days later, he rises from the dead. That's Easter, and we get to live forever with him because he can beat death. So this is good, right? And after Jesus rose from the dead, the Bible says that he appeared to over 500 people before he ascended back to heaven. But the Bible says he only appeared to believers. We don't have the full list of everybody, but one thing I do know is that when Jesus rose from the dead, he did not go back to the Jewish leaders and try to repair the relationship. Nor did Peter and the disciples try to go back to them, even though that would have really jump-started Christianity if they could have convinced them that Jesus was the Messiah. And many of these same people were the same people who took part in the stoning and the killing of the first martyr for the cause of Christ named Stephen a few chapters later when we get into the book of Acts who became the first Christian martyr and they killed him because they hadn't learned anything from killing Jesus. And what do you think Stephen said to them? While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And when he had said this, he died. It's the same guys. And Stephen prays for forgiveness for them also. And guess what? Those idiots never figured it out. And I guess that's not the point. Ironically, one of those people there at the stoning of Stephen, it's a crazy story, even as I tell it and I've known it all my life, some of you, it, 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 it should blow your mind. At the stoning of Stephen, the guy who was holding the coats was a guy named Saul who was a persecutor of Christians and went on to be like the, the number one hitman of Christians for a while Until one day, Jesus appeared to him and called him out and told him he was wrong and told him to change, and he became the apostle Paul. And Paul told the church in Rome, Paul wrote most of the New Testament, by the way, do not repay anyone evil for evil. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. The reason this is powerful is because it shows that it may not be possible. Because you can't control what someone else does. Jesus could pray for God to forgive them, and you know, I mean, he, he could do all that, but still let the thoughts and the anger, revenge, and all come up. But he could not control what they were going to do with it. Or he could let it go, ask God, pray for them, let it go, and still not control what they do with it. All I control is what's in my heart. And I think that's why the example that we see today. Before we get deeper into the theology of why Jesus had to die, the the, the example that we see today says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on me, I'm going to live at peace with everyone. And I think our world needs to hear that today. I think our world needs to see Jesus on the cross saying, look, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. If there's a broken relationship in your life, I just want to encourage you, don't let the time go by. Don't wait until tomorrow. And here's why I think this is important. This is the key. Because when I pray for other people, it may not change them, but it also always changes me. When I pray for other people, it may not change them. They may not even know you're doing it. But it will always change me. And that's the example Jesus set for us on the cross. The story is told that Leonardo da Vinci, when he was painting a fresco of the Last Supper at the church in Milan, um, at the time Leonardo da Vinci was painting the Last Supper, he was in a feud with another painter. Okay? You know, I guess whatever business you're in, there's always a competitor. right? And he had a bitter argument with this other painter, and he despised him. So when da Vinci painted the face of Judas Iscariot, In the original, he used the face of his enemy. I know, It's like, that's hilarious. I think that's absolutely hilarious. I I think it's really funny that he did that. He thought, you know, for the rest of eternity, people are going to look at all the guys on one side of the table, and they're going to see Judas, and they're going, oh, that's that painter that he didn't like. That's hilarious. I mean, that's like the original social media burn right there, Right? But here's what happened, you guys. As he worked on the faces of the other disciples, he kept trying to paint the face of Jesus and he just couldn't make it happen. And he was frustrated and he was confused. And over the course of time, he realized what was wrong, that his hatred for this other painter was holding him back from finishing the face of Jesus. And only after making peace with this other guy and obviously repainting the face of Judas, Was he able to paint the face of Jesus and complete his masterpiece? And I'm just hoping and praying that as we head into Easter season, as we think about all of this stuff that is so preeminently important in our lives, that there's nothing keeping us from the face of Jesus. Let's pray. God, I... I haven't had the things happen to me that some people have. So I've, it's sometimes hard for me to to preach on this. I've had people hurt me and abuse me and do things to me, but some of the stories that I know that are out there and the stories that I don't know, they're way harder than mine. So I just gotta be honest, it's hard for me to get up here and say, we gotta, we gotta do it. We gotta forgive them. We gotta pray for our enemies, but... The great thing for me as a pastor is I can, and it doesn't have to be about me and my experience. I can go back to to you, Lord. I can go back to the cross and see what you did. And I know that you are perfect. And I know that we will never be, but the fact that you could look down from the cross and pray for your enemies has to be an example for me. Not just about how I should live so the world sees Christianity in a good way. But it probably has something deeper to do with my heart and my soul. As far as it depends on me, if it is possible, that's where I'm going to be. And if it's not, I'm still going to pray for them because it will be better for me. And as we come to communion in just a moment, Lord, Help us to remember that you did all this, in the covenant of forgiveness for us. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.
0: Thanks again for joining us today. I hope you'll be back next week as we continue to prepare for our Easter celebration. And along the way, if you hear a message that you like or maybe you missed one, you can always go to our website, parkbychurch.com and click the watch button right at the top and find all of our content there. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his eyes toward you and give you his peace. Have a great day.